Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. Discussing cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film. So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question... What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Oh my god. Oh my god, you guys. Oh my god, oh my god, you guys. Looks like Elle's gonna win the prize. I don't know the rest of the words. Uh, That's more than I knew. What? That's more than I knew. (laughs) I knew, oh my god, and you guys. We're excited to be here. Uh, Welcome everybody. This is episode 21 of What Do You Got? Uh, Rob and I are here. We are joined, as we stipulated in the last episode, uh, by our good friend, Matt Delhauer. Matt, introduce yourself. Friend of the show. Friend Hello, everyone. Show. I'm good friend of the show, Matt Delhauer. Tell us a Long little bit time, about Long time, first time? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, tell you a little bit about myself? Yeah. I'm a Gemini. Oh, well, that's more than we needed to know. All right. <laughs> Matt is the host of a delicious podcast uh, called Ginger Geek Pod. Um, we... Spoke a little bit about it at the end of the last episode just to promote you a bit, but why don't you promote yourself? Sure. Uh, I would use the term scrumptralescent. It is a podcast that I started, um, God, over two years ago, but at the same time I only have nine episodes, um, in which I tend to look at pop culture, and I will be a smartass about it by being like, oh, look, guess what, like, intelligent thing you could talk about while watching this. Yeah, I think I think one of the most important parts to mention about your podcast and the reason you only have nine episodes is because of how much research you do into writing that script for yourself. Yeah, it's it's daunting at times. I'm also um, I have ADHD and I hate making myself do stuff, even if it's stuff I like. Mm. So like I I will have moments where it's like I want to do an episode about this thing and if I feel like I'm just motivated enough it'll happen, <laughs> but if I get to a point where I'm like ooh this is a lot of work it'll take another six months. I feel like we can all speak to that <laughs> on a spiritual level. Uh, so the way that this episode is gonna work uh, for those of you who don't know we attempted to do this about a year no not a year. well yeah back in February I think it was right no, before yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> right before COVID hit, we actually had the special guest spot with Matt doing an episode. Uh, unfortunately, the entire file was corrupt and we were unable to use it. That episode um, was based around the idea of someone during Lincoln's assassination. Uh, Major Henry Rathbone, I believe was his name. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. We, we, we pitched a movie around that. The way that today is going to work, uh, Matt is going to pitch us a story. Uh, an article he found that we do not know what it is. Rob and I have no idea what he's going to pitch us. Um, it's like a magic show. Yeah. Uh, he's going to pitch us that story, and while he does that, we're going to write down some notes and come up with ideas of what we want to throw together, and the three of us are going to make a film, because that's how we do things here. A film. Woo! Philharmonic. Philharmagic. Phil our magic. <laughs> Phil Hartman magic. Um, so, without further adieu... Matt, why don't you tell us what you got? Okay, well, uh, Nick, it's actually really fun that you decided to use that accent, um, because I don't so much have an article I'd like to pitch to you, but a character. So you didn't do your homework at all? No. (laughs) 
This is what the show is, Matt. You can't just <laughs> Matt, come in this, here. This is the whole premise of the podcast. Well, you invited me, uh, and you should know <laughs> I don't do work. Eh, that's what you just said that earlier. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but instead, the character I have, and I, honestly, I have uh, uh, some details about uh, his life. Uh, a man named Lieutenant Colonel John Malcolm Thorpe Fleming Churchill. Oh, God. Of the Royal British Army. Are you gonna talking write about down? Mad Jack Churchill today, <laughs> I am Matt? I talking about Mad Jack Churchill. Motherfucking Mad Jack Churchill. The man who <laughs> served in World War II with a claymore and a longbow. All right. <laughs> uh, born in 1906, uh, young Jack Churchill grew up in Hong Kong with his family. Until they moved back to Britain at about, I think it was 1920, something like that. No. 1920. Yeah, 1920. Um, He served in the British Royal Army from 26 to 36. But uh, in the two, in the three years after he left, he actually appeared in two silent movies uh, using his archery skills as a background actor. And went to the World Championship of Archery representing Britain. Jeez. <laughs> in 1939, he re-upped in the army when Poland invade was invaded. Uh, some of the highlights of Mad Jack's work in, in World War II included in 1940, when his regiment was in France and they ambushed a German patrol. Uh, Churchill went on record during this ambush in being the last person in recorded history to get a kill with a longbow in wartime. <laughs> he served at Dunkirk. Uh, he joined a commando regiment in 41, and in Norway, uh, <laughs> led them into battle by playing March of the Cameron Men on his bagpipes the James before Cameron tossing men. a grenade at the enemy and then charging into battle. <laughs> uh, in 1943... He and the commando regiment that he led captured a small town outside of Molina, Italy, that was being held by the Germans, taking 42 soldiers prisoner, including a mortar crew, and he did this at sword point. He lost his sword in hand-to-hand combat during the capture, and then had to go back and get it once the fighting was done. (laughs) Uh, he was taken prisoner in 1944 in Yugoslavia during a failed uh, raid and was sent to Berlin. Berlin, that's the word. I don't want to trip <laughs> over that one. Uh, to be questioned because they assumed he was a blood relative of Winston Churchill. Okay. When they found out that he wasn't. That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> when they found out that he wasn't, they just put him in a concentration camp. Uh, he and three Royal Air Force officers who were survivors of the Great Escape, then tunneled their way out of camp. Uh, They were recaptured, but soon released by the Germans because they were losing the war. And he walked 93 miles into Italy in order to run into an American armored battalion (sighs) to be rescued. After that, they sent Mad Jack off to the Pacific Theater. (laughs) But Hiroshima and Nagasaki had been bombed by the time he reached India, and the war was over. In his time after the war, he was hired by MGM to be in Ivanhoe in 1952. Good as one of the archers on the walls of a castle. Uh, before that, he and 12 soldiers broke protocol in uh, British Palestine 
in order to try and protect a medical convoy that was being attacked by Arab insurgents uh, against their orders. But sadly, the medical convoy refused their help, believing that their own soldiers were on the way. And they wound up having, I think, 97 of 99 people in it get killed. Oh, boy. It would go on to be known as the, I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly, Hadassah Medical Convoy Massacre. Don't worry, I'm really good at mispronouncing things while while discussing articles. Final tidbit about Jack. He moved to Australia after he retired from the military and took up surfing and oh. lived until 1996. So, so I have a slight exactly to that 80? story because he was a crazy no. person. Uh, Mad Jack Churchill, when the war ended, got really pissed and is quoted as saying, if it wasn't for the goddamn Yanks, we could have kept this going for another 10 years. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Okay, all right. Okay. I cornered Jeremy one St. Patrick's Day and forcibly told him this entire story while playing a a bagpipe song on the TV. The other thing (laughs) that I loved was that after the war was over and he was working in the military, he apparently would take the train home every day from the base. Uh, The train would go by right behind his house. And so he decided that every day he would... (laughs) He would uh, get the piss out of the conductor and the fellow uh, train riders by tossing his briefcase violently out the window (laughs) on the ride home every day because it would land in his backyard and then he wouldn't have to carry it home from the station. You see, now, that's just a life hack right there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, clarify one thing for me. Sure. He was in some silent movies? Uh, Yes, I will. let Let me look up the names of them. It was on... It was there. But so I this would have been in the 20s. So this was like right around. See, he was in World War One. He did not serve in World War One. He did not. He okay. was born in uh, 1906. Okay, yeah. So a little bit too young. He would have been 13 when it ended. Yeah. Um, okay, so he was in silent movies, and then he served in World War Two, which he probably would have been around 35 or so. Uh, he was. 30 when he left the army. I think he was 33 when he signed back up. 32, okay. 33 when okay. he signed back up for World War II. He was and in the Normandy invasion, right? He was on the beaches with the bagpipes. Um, like D-Day? No. No? No, he was not. That one. Uh, he was in France, but he was in France in 1940. In 44, <laughs> he was held uh, hostage. Right, right. Forgot that. So after World War II, did he do any more movies? Yes, that was Ivanhoe. Uh, Ivanhoe. Okay. Okay. But um, let's see. It was, he was in The Thief of Baghdad and A Yank at Oxford. (laughs) Yank at Oxford, you say. Both made in 1938. So that was two years after he left and one year before he went back uh, for World War II. He's the, I remember reading this article on Wikipedia like eight years ago, and it's how I discovered my favorite bagpipe song, Will You Know Come Back Again, which I will probably lay under this portion of the yes. episode uh, was in fact the song he was playing on his bagpipes uh when he was knocked unconscious by the german army okay okay so, so we're casting conor mcgregor <laughs> <laughs> so we've got give me your belt <laughs> give me your belt the worst, the worst part is is i don't know if he would take it specifically to piss off the scots that an irishman was playing him or not <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, that's that's a very intriguing gentleman. Uh, so, Matt. Yes. What do you got? Um, I honestly would say that my first thought going into this would be, this is such a madcap thing that I, I don't know if anyone would uh, be able to do this 
as a serious movie and actually get you to believe it. Absolutely. So I love the idea of going almost in, um, I forget what the name of the movie was that Michael Bay made with The Rock. The, the heist one with him oh. and... Oh, Pain and Gain. Yeah, Pain and Gain. Pain Going and almost gain. in that, that fashion where it's like, this is made as a comedy, but what you also have to recognize is it is 100% fact. Okay, yeah. Um... So I, I would say, going off of that aspect, and because I know that he has pulled it off once before, uh, the first thing I would say would be probably making it a Taika Waititi film. Okay, interesting, because my brain first went there, but we've mentioned him, I think, yeah. three times Also, a week episodes. ago, we did a comedy about World War II. We've, oh, no. we've, we've been speaking about Taika for a couple episodes now. Okay. <laughs> Which God is fine. I mean, he's fantastic. Uh, and of course, that is where your mind would go. Why wouldn't it be? Yes, that that would be my first go. <clears throat> what? Uh, who do you have cast as Churchill? It it's a rough one for me. Um, I honestly was hoping to see what you guys would have as an actor first. Okay. So I I thought of something small during this, but you know what? Let's uh, let's let's push it over to Rob. Rob, what do you got? <sighs> I mean, we've done a couple different war movies on the podcast. Uh, a variety of, of different conflicts. Um, I, th- I'm, I'm thinking an escape movie, essentially, if we're going to do... I didn't know he escaped from a concentration camp with three of the guys from the actual Great mm. Escape, because um, a lot of those guys were unfortunately killed or recaptured, um, which is one of my favorite fucking movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So getting to do something like that would be fun. Yeah. Um, I don't know a lot of young Scottish actors. Probably McAvoy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James McAvoy. Um, Ewan McGregor might be a little bit too long in the tooth. Yeah, I would say, especially at that point, he'd be Mm mid-30s. Can someone, uh, since I don't know the film, can someone explain to me a little bit about Ivanhoe? Uh, It's it's a it's a sword and bow movie. It's 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 yeah. It's no, there's not enough time. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's basically like a swashbuckling rogue. No, it's it's a it's a bit more like uh like knights and it's more Arthurian yeah. than like Harold okay. Flynn. Okay, yeah. I'm good with that. I have an idea. So, my idea is to stray away a little bit from the war movies that we have pitched a couple times now, uh, including last week's episode or or the you know last episode. Um, my idea is basically. He is the whole movie takes place while filming Ivanhoe. Interesting. And while filming that movie, even though it's about knights and swords and soldiers and and queens and kings, he's having serious World War II flashbacks. Of course. So he's having these flashbacks while on the set of these giant epic, you know, Ben Hur style sets, um, and basically going crazy while filming this film, and he's reliving his his madness through World War II while filming this King Arthur-type epic. Uh, so I thought of, for John Churchill, because I, I was looking it up, that movie came out in 52, so he would have been around, you know, 48 or something. Um, I was thinking Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell, Russell Crowe for John Churchill. Okay. Cool. And I was thinking John Landis to direct. I don't know why. <laughs> but I'm thinking John Landis can kind of make it that, like, you know, really weird, it's not this, but it is also this type style comedy, if that makes sense. 
Hmm. Um, so my my idea is basically we throw Kurt. I keep saying Kurt Russell. We throw maybe Kurt Russell can make an appearance. We throw Russell <laughs> Crowe into filming of this epic film in a way, Hail Caesar esque. Uh, George Clooney. Um, we throw him into this film, and throughout the entirety, he's having these PTSD flashbacks. I'm getting sort of like a Terry Gilliam Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus vibe um, with, like, kind of the fantastical elements. Yeah, movie star surfing war hero. Yeah, yeah. You, it feels you, like such a random collection of bullshit that it has to be Gilliam. You gotta play it up. Um, we could go Gilliam straight up. Uh, but Did I, we wind I'm, up using him for uh, for the uh, like for the, the Haley's comment, comment, yeah, the comment episode, yeah. yeah. Um, because that was to me, my guy, one of your best pitches. Thank you. Um, but we could, you know, do something along those lines of it being very fantastical, uh, but also very dark comedy, where he's having these horrible PTSD war flashbacks about world war ii and like mm. everyone around him is kind of like is he a drunk he's like no he's he's just got some serious mental issues because i, of I what... wonder if he's having traumatic episodes about it because by all accounts jack was having a pretty fucking good time that's true that's true the the only thing i was going to say was if you wanted to go with something being a little kind of mind fuck-esque if you're talking something in a gilliam fashion yeah you could even go almost in like a slaughterhouse five Holy shit, dude! I was just about to bring up Billy fucking Pilgrim. Where it's 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 just you know, this is this is the life he lived. Not only did he have a great time in the war, he had a great time being in movies. He retired to go surfing in Australia. Like this man never had a bad fucking day in his life, as far as you can tell. Yeah, it's it's one of those stories where you're like, oh my god, he must have some serious demons. Like, no, he goes and freaking like unleashes his demons daily yeah. <laughs> i it's it, it this is the only other guy besides like george s Patton that i'm like why are you having such a good time yeah yeah he, uh another one of the quotes that he had that i thought was really great was uh <clears throat> when asked about why he brought a sword to world war ii his statement was any commanding officer that does not have a sword on him is ill-dressed like <laughs> <laughs> Trying to write up his regiment for going into battle improperly attired. <laughs> but, like, also the idea of, like, him riding up on a horse. Budget. And they're just like, wait, wait. He's like, I, I bought it off of a villager in town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is my new horse. This is Spunky. I also <laughs> wonder if you could go with an idea, like, if you, I mean, it would still be mostly set in the war. But you could also go with the idea where it's it's not so much following just uh, Churchill, but it's like, his his regiment of commandos and the idea of like i don't know how i feel being the one who's being led by the crazy guy with the sword yeah until you get into the battlefield and you're like oh fuck it works yeah okay here's an idea and i always go back to this shit because i'm such a fucking basic steven spielberg bitch um <laughs> you basic steven spielberg bitch <laughs> so you said he served in uh, I guess at the time it would have been called the the British Mandate of Palestine, the the, yes. the area yes, yes, of Israel. Yes. Okay, because I like where you were going with Slaughterhouse Five. Um, he finds something in Jerusalem. Maybe it's a sword. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, maybe it's it's whatever, some kind of relic, and he, because then we can really have some uh, a variety of set pieces. We can have 
very very antiquated set pieces we have world war ii we can have australian surfing mm-hmm. we can have a movie set um he experiences uh parts of the life of like a templar crusader mm-hmm. <laughs> okay in in jerusalem um and then becomes more i think more controllably than slaughterhouse five kind of unstuck in time and um, we probably the intro to the movie how we establish that he can kind of do this if he wants to or if he liked a particular day is he's on the set of Ivanhoe, and he's trying to get like in the right mindset for for a battle scene, so he just goes back, mm-hmm. and then it gets like super pumped in the middle of a battle that's actually happening, and yeah. then pops back into the movie, yeah, and just crushes it as like an extra in a sword fight. It's 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 the idea of his his mind going to this place where it, the imagination is taking over the film mm-hmm. and we see him back there but he's his current age yep. it's not like it's his younger self remembering these these memories mm-hmm. it's him just currently in there running around in his knight's outfit in world war 2 <laughs> so we we From have his perspective in like yes a knight of shining armor and he's got a he's got that type of sword he's got like friggin excalibur and he's running through. Like, yeah, the I, I remember seeing the picture. He had a, like it was basically it was a it was a claymore. Yeah, was he it? A, he had a, a head chopper. Uh, I guess the question that I would ask then is, would you want to play it where there is a underlying question throughout this of is Mad is Mad Jack time traveling because of this sword and has control over it, or is it going to be almost in like a Defive Bloods sort of thing? where the flashback is happening, but he's being played by that actor at that age, even yeah, we though don't he need should to be 20 cast. years la- uh, younger. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to double cast. Yeah, no, I, I think from from the get-go, I think the audience needs to understand that this is all in his mind, um, that it's happening around him. He, be- he believes it's happening around him, but there's got to be some kind of like blend between the actors in the movie, uh, the actors in Ivanhoe, standing around like so the way i imagine this it's tough to explain he's he's maybe not the beaches of normandy he wasn't there whatever but let's for example storming the beaches of normandy all these world war ii soldiers around him saving private ryan style but he's in a full suit of armor uh from the film that they're filming with his giant sword and like over to the left side uh, as he's running past and, you know, getting gunned down on the beach, you see, like, the craft services table. And there's <laughs> all these all these actors kind of just standing around like, why, why is John running across the set again? So, like, it's happening in real time, but in his mind, he's yep. back where he was. I love, I love the idea of now in my, in, in my head just, like, a, a medic trying to take care of someone who's just been shot and they're yeah. bleeding out. And you just see, like, one of the rigging crew is just, like, yeah. laying cable over yeah. top of the dying man as he walks by. Him. I love that. <laughs> he's, he's putting gaffers tape down, and yeah. they're like, no, he's yeah. not done. So we don't even... The guy's shoulder puts, <laughs> puts taping for a mark, puts him back down. Yeah, we don't even have to establish if there's a reason for this happening at this point. Oh, now. yeah. Like, we can completely move beyond that whole Palestine yeah. thing. Don't even, don't even, like, let the audience question it. Let Not the point of, like, what's real, but the idea of that, you know... The, the the boom operator or something like moving a dead war hero body <laughs> like in his imagination he's actually just like lifting a box but he's lifting up the dead soldier to put down the gaffer's tape or something i, just, I picture kevin james in the sound guy stuff that he does yes yes oh, him, him exactly. standing like in the middle of a battlefield just being like just get in tone yeah <laughs> so we're we're crafting a movie that is essentially uh, 
one giant anachronism yeah. of all these different things happening kind of at once modern, not, well, not modern, but, you know, 50s mm-hmm. film technology mm-hmm. and the Second World War and ancient Scottish warriors. And I think, I'm trying to remember Ivanhoe. I don't actually think I saw the 50s one. I think I saw like a miniseries. Uh, I think it's like Middle Ages type uh, of thing. I believe so, yeah. yeah. What, the, the film? Yeah. Yeah, I was just looking it up. It's, it's, it's a book. I didn't read the book. I don't think I saw the 50s movie. I think I saw like a like a six-part miniseries that your parents will love kind of thing in like the 90s. Okay. Um, no, yeah, I, I recognize the name, but it's not a thing I ever actually saw. I think it's like less like the English and the Scots and more like the Normans, mm-hmm. that kind of shit. Um, and it's a love story, if I recall my English professor trying to get us to read it, <laughs> which I didn't. So, um, yeah. So, what is the through line? I mean, we've got kind of. It's going to be a fun world to explore. The anachronisms of like, there's a Sherman tank and a knight on a horse, and he's kind of blending these. But what is the through line of the movie? Like, what is? Oof. Where are we going? <clears throat> I. You know what? Do <clears throat> do we have to go somewhere? I hate to bring it back to the people we always talk about, but Coen Brothers or Hail Caesar, do we need to bring it somewhere? You know what I wonder? What is his goal? I What I'm wondering, and even if it's it's not so much specifically Jack's goal, because it, it's him trying to utilize what he understood of violence and warfare to bring that into a fantastical world for entertainment. Mm-hmm. And then the question starts to become, you know, what can anyone who knows of entertainment know of war? Mm. I do like that. That's the, yeah, that, that hits, that hits home. Yeah. That's a good one. <clears throat> I, I just, I have this vision of like, you know, back in the fifties, especially for an Epic film, you've got like the director in those crane seats and stuff. <laughs> and like, he's, he's, he's yelling something a lot of down. sound stages. <laughs> yeah. He's yelling something down to the stage and, and uh, Churchill's like sitting there thinking like he's some guy, uh, up in a in a in a plane or something, like shooting over them or something, you know. Uh, and I also love I love the idea of of uh, the entire story being like Churchill has to like call back on his time in World War II to get into the mindset to be an extra. Yeah. On yeah. a movie. Yeah, he's not a lead. <laughs> I'm starting to think like you know usually we can flesh out these movies to be feature length. Right. There's nothing wrong with making a short film. That's true. That's and true. And winning We've the Oscar one. for best short film, <laughs> um, because I, I'm I'm having a lot of difficulty trying to figure out like what the what the arcing conflict of this is. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing what like his 50 goal minutes. is. Yeah. If we're like doing a day's sh- shooting on Ivanhoe, with these constantly intersecting bits of World War II, right. And surfing, yeah. And uh, some Scottish Highlander shit. <laughs> like uh, I'm having a hard time getting that past twenty minutes to half an hour. Yeah, because I I could also wonder if one of the things you could go with would be like, it's not just that he's calling back on all this stuff for his own, you know, uh, ability to mm-hmm. to be in a mindset, but even if the director is just like, look. You know, you you served in World War Two. You know, you're you're a you're a, a warrior. Like yeah. these guys, they 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 don't look like it. They don't know what they're doing. Like, we what, need your help. What can you tell them? What can yeah. you you do to, to like help me get them in that mindset? Like he be he becomes their like fight choreographer or something, mm-hmm. you know, or he becomes their. Uh, oh, I just knocked into my mic. And it's, <laughs> it's almost. <laughs> and then you could start pulling into the idea of it's it's not just 
he goes back into these war flashbacks to get into a mindset. He's taking them back to World War II with he's him. He's doing it to, to bring them into that world. Okay, okay, we're getting there. Like, he's that caliber of a storyteller. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's able to do, over. He's, an, he's an oratory storyteller, and he's, he's, he's bringing these people with him into this memory. So it does start out where you've got the boom operator lifting the soldier that's actually just a box to place the gaffer's tape but it ends up being that these actors are now living it with him yeah, they're, I'm, trying they're, see, I'm trying to see what he did they're in building the movie. yeah they're building they, into they, this they world an archer yeah he was, yeah, he was, he was an, an archer. archer on like a rampart or which, something which a longbow definitely would have been used during like the middle ages yep so you know we we bring these these actors cuz i know there were some there were some bigger names um in the film, like I mean, Robert Taylor was the lead. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm reading. I'm reading the plot of the movie, so we can intersect this with this time in in Palestine and Israel, because it's about like the time the Richard the Lionheart times. And yeah, all, he, he was on a crusade. Yep, notably yeah, yeah, yeah. against like Saladin. Uh, the, yeah, this is this is prime Robin Hood time. No wonder he loved a bow. This is Prince uh, Prince uh, John and Richard the Lionheart. And yeah, shit. yeah. Okay. Not now only this, you know what. Because then a big thing you can kind of pull on would be like, okay, all these people are getting into this movie because, oh, you know, it's it's the time of Robin Hood. It's going to be like this swashbuckling fun, and he's going to try and pull into them like, no, 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 that that Errol Flynn, you know, flying yeah. around on a fucking rope shit yeah. ain't going to cut it here. This um, is war. Yeah, we always go back to Christopher Lee instructing people on how it sounds when yes. you kill someone with a knife when in the back. When you stab him in the back. Like, this is like the last the last person who truly knows what it means to kill someone with a longbow we need to cast a couple more people um elizabeth taylor was in this film i think we go with anne hathaway to play a comical version of liz taylor (laughs) yeah she'd be fun i could definitely see it like she she plays up the diva side you know Mm. she yeah she she would be and i you know she would be really happy with the idea of just getting to chew the scenery yeah yeah um, and then also, uh, Robert Taylor uh, plays the Robert lead Taylor. in the I film. Him. I know Rod Taylor. Robert Taylor, the main things I'm trying to find for him. I know Robert Mitchum. Everybody knows Robert Mitchum. Uh, he was in Camille. He was Same in uh, Personal Property <laughs> with Gene Harlow. Looks a little bit like, uh, what's his name? Rock Hudson, sort of. It's a hell of a mustache. Actually, he looks a little bit like Rock Hudson mixed with uh, um, Tony Curtis. Hmm. The first thing I thought was Gomez Adams, but yeah, Gomez Adams. <laughs> um, God, this guy made a shit ton of movies. Yeah. I have not seen. I mean, think, think, dude, the golden so age of Hollywood—they were pumping them out weekly. Oh, you true. Know? Yeah. Um, and then Richard Thorpe was the director. Uh, I'm trying to see. So I, I again I don't know anything about this movie. Was this movie criti- so it was nominated for three Oscars? Nice. So it was nominated for best picture, cinematography, and best music. People. So it must have been a good. Loved film. their period pieces. Oh yeah, especially epics during this time. This is nineteen fifty two. Like oh, this, this is, is like right when we're building up to like uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein's Camelot. That being but the also biggest this shit that ever like happened. Kind of right at the beginning of um, <clears throat> uh, Kirk Douglas. You know, like this is. Kind of the beginning of his rise to fame. Now, yeah, we're like f- we're a couple five years, years early. out from Spartacus. Spartacus was sixty, so we're yeah. a couple years early. But you know, we're building up to that golden age of Hollywood time. Mm. So, 
the, the blacklist idea. going. So we've got we use Russell Crowe. Does that work? Yeah, I fucking love Russell yeah, Crowe. Yeah, I'd say. Russell Crowe. You know what? Just because I kept friggin' saying it, Kurt Russell can play the director. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt Russell plays uh, Richard Thorpe. Uh, Anne Hathaway as Liz Taylor. And we, yeah, that's what we do. We we make it so that as he is, you know, the director comes to him and he's like, listen, like like you said, Matt, he, he you know, you were there. Uh, I need these, I need these actors, you know, I need these, these little pansies to to know what it's like to be in the the nitty gritty of a war, and you know, he's he's trying to gear them up for what he is speaking about is World War Two, but what they're filming is you know, Camelot. <laughs> hmm. I I almost imagine him like taking taking the actors to the sound stage, and there's a bunch of people, like PAs running around and, and laying cable, and he says, "All right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna run and uh, run something real quick," and they did like kind of all right. Ready sound, ready lights, flat, and like we actually do shift, yeah, into where he's talking about. Mm. I could easily see, like, the shot for that would be setting up where you're looking at him with like the actors in front of him, they're back to the camera, he's looking at the camera, and he's like calling out to everyone, like, all right, do this, do this, do this, and then as he's about to yell action, have it pull back ar- on a bow, <laughs> yeah, have it come back around and pass by like the big camera setup from the fifties, like mm-hmm. the crane cameras. Mm. And as it passes behind that, now he's in World War Two. Yeah, yeah. Now there's a yeah. We go from that to there's another a camera to a fucking cannon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it literally it changes like it be, the the director's crane turns into a mortar or something like that. I or also a, um, I also love the idea of him trying to like pull the imagination out of them at first, where like they're walking around with him, and you know he's he's back in this moment. But all of them are just like, what are you even doing? Why they're are not, we here? And it's yeah, like, they're you know, not there yet. It's like, you know, what, what are we even doing with the camera? That's not a camera. It's an artillery gun, and it's firing down on you. Yeah, and immediately yeah. you start seeing the shells hitting. <laughs> I imagine just a splatter of mud suddenly hitting Anne Hathaway's face like, oh, oh, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> and you're doing it. You're just, believing, yeah. Peter. Yeah. <laughs> you believe. You believe. If this is going to be a short film and those can have bizarre names, I have a title for you, Nick. Oh, I was just thinking, what do you got? It's a mad, 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 mad Jack. Oh, my God. I love you. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, People love doing that with short stories. Like yeah. uh, uh, Peter Capaldi, the Scottish actor, won an, uh, an Oscar for his short film, and it was called Franz Kafka's It's a Wonderful Life, <laughs> <laughs> which is a great title. That That's is. fantastic. Oh, man. Yeah, no. that's uh, It's a mad, 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 mad Jack. I always um, forget how many it's ads four. there are. It's four. It's a mad, <laughs> mad, mad, mad world. <laughs> Perfect film. Perfect film. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> my favorite film of all time. Um, yeah, I think I, I was trying to think of something to go with like the, the bow mixed with bow as in like a stage, you know, curtain call um, for, for the title. Mm-hmm. But Oh, because the thing that I had in mind was The Last Long Bowman. Ooh. Ooh. I like it. The last long bowman. Scott. The last long bowman. Yeah. <laughs> the last long bowman. I like that. I wish there was a way to put that quote that you read to us into a movie title, but there's just too many words. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the officer goes into battle without his sword is improperly trained. <laughs> God damn you, Jack. Yeah, wait, what did he say? Ill-suited? Or... I think it was ill-dressed. Ill-dressed. Yeah, let's see if I can find the that... exact wording. It's probably important. 
that could actually work if we just called it ill. Any officer who goes into action without his sword is improperly dressed. Oh, it's improperly, yeah. okay. <clears throat> improperly dressed. I kind of like ill-dressed. Does that make sense, though? It sounds more it's, Scottish. I was going to say, it's, it's a bit more Scottish, which is probably why it stuck with me. But the idea sounds right, right? Like, he's ill-dressed for this movie because mm-hmm. he's stuck in World War II. Do you... I, mm. I'm kind of about it. Sword. But I don't know if you guys are sold on it. Mm. <clears throat> um, Arrows over Normandy? That definitely sounds like a 50s epic. Yeah. It sure does. Arrows over something. Arrows over... Wait. Uh, oh, over oh <laughs> wait. Because he was... He, you could even do something like Arrows over Dunkirk, because he did serve there. That's not bad. Do we do that, or do we do something, not this exactly, but something along the lines of, like, arrows over the soundstage, you know? Mm-hmm. Something along those lines Let's where we see. bring into the, the, the studio or s- stage. Ooh. I don't know. What what were some of the famous... Lights, like, camera, the, longbow. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing I could think would be the storming of stage 53. The storming stage 53. And then, well, there's the name of that song. That he played uh, oh, yeah. when his unit got killed. Will you know come back again? What is it called? Will you know come back again? Okay, that is, is actually I really like that. It's a great song, <laughs> and it's kind of like yeah, if we're talking about uh, revisiting an intersection, intersecting with our past. So it's will you know come back again? Will you not come? It, it's the Scottish way of saying will you oh, not okay, come back gotcha. again. It's um, like song for your boys are going off to war. Will you know come back again? Gotcha. Yeah. I think we we probably keep the american term of just not mm-hmm. um but i i i dig that because that also definitely has the ilk of the idea we're going with here will you know come will back you again not come back again i mean that that works on every level we're discussing <laughs> i really like that song <laughs> <laughs> i need to listen to it I don't know. i'm sure i've heard it but probably heard it from you um so we've got we got kurt <laughs> say it say his name <laughs> we got russell crow and hathaway and kurt russell kurt russell crow kurt russell crow <laughs> hathaway um with the title of will you not come back again director though are we going gilliam we've used him before but mm. that's you know this is our show so there's no rule <laughs> i ain't gonna tell anybody <laughs> you no. best not <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think of who else we could go with. I'm sure. Who... I don't know. I'd like for this movie to like come out in our lifetimes, and Terry's not so great at that of late. True. So, uh, uh, I'm still trying to fucking Truman see Show? the Don Quixote movie, wherever it may be. Yeah. Who directed the Truman Show? Um, I don't know. Oh, it was Peter Weir. I know that name. Australian uh, he director, did, right? He did Master and Commander with Russell Crowe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, he's got a tie. <laughs> Period, please. Um, oh, he did Dead Poet Society. He's, he's Australian, right? That's how he, he knows is... uh, Russell Crowe well. He's, he's Welsh, yeah. He's Welsh. He's... Oh, well. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, no, no. He's from New South Wales oh, in Australia. that's Australia. Not Welsh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah he's, not a, he's not a bad choice. Yeah, and that's also... I mean, you know, the cinematography of Master and Commander is not a bad way to go with this. Yeah, kind of that project. movie was uh, that movie was surprising. I remember renting that from Blockbuster, and I was like, "Ooh!" <laughs> it's it's one of the best like historical. I mean, for a completely 
fictional story. It's it's an incredible piece of historical filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. To the period of the Napoleonic Wars and the way that ships were. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, I think that novels. would. Uh, I think that would work. Should we should we cast anyone else? We only have we only have three actors here. Um, but I'm trying to think if there's anyone that would make sense. Like if, if there were. I want to do if, Oscar Isaac as that guy uh, Robert Taylor. You want to put an Oscar Isaac? Just I feel like with that mustache, he looked like I I like it. I'm always down with Oscar Isaac. He can kind of play anything. That's true. Man is a chameleon. I was um, initially going to offer up uh, Toby Hale as the director because he looks almost exactly like him. But I know Nick now wants to have a reason to keep saying Kurt Russell. <laughs> Wait, who's Toby Hale again? He played uh, the youngest brother on oh, Arrested oh, Development. He's uh, yes, oh, yeah, Tony yeah. Hale. Oh, Tony Hale. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Tony Hale, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's also on Veep, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. He's, uh, he's basically the male lead. Um, <laughs> Kurt Russell. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, do we keep this as a kind of like a 30, 40-minute short film? I think, yeah, it's it's outside of our wheelhouse to try and put together a short film which follows less of the narrative structure we usually default into. Yeah. So, yeah, I think... But I like that idea. I, I kind of like the idea of, you know, this guy had a very long and and very, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for. He had a very long Story. career <laughs> and, and life with all these different areas and stuff. But I like the idea of kind of honing it into one timeline Yeah. while also speaking about all those other things. Um, and it's, the movie's got to end with a 1950s, green screen surf montage <laughs> like like soundstage the backdrop and like those fake like like high school theater waves you know there's different rows of wooden waves <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you what jack churchill lived every day of his life <laughs> surfing <laughs> we either close or we open the film with that either or i'm, I'm happy I also like the joke of just, like, once they get done with it, someone making a comment about, like, yeah, we got to strike the set tonight. They're doing some kind of a surfing movie in here tomorrow. <laughs> He's like, surfing, huh? A beach, <laughs> uh, they're doing, like, a beach party movie for the teens. Looks at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> winks, and you hear a little bit of a, like, clink. <laughs> Is this what Elvis was making his stupid fucking movies? Oh, yes, this absolutely <laughs> would be. Yeah, the blue suede shoes and stuff would have been the 50s, right? Yeah, I think he did some beach party movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also like Jail the idea Rock. of ending the movie with uh, with Mad Jack winking to the camera, yeah. and it fades to black with the Vincent Price laugh from Thriller. <laughs> <laughs> that, and then also just one of those ending uh, montages of text, like, Jack Churchill lived to be a ripe old age of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I think he lived to be 90. Yeah. That's insane. So is he, is he taking... Like just Elizabeth Taylor and and uh, I forgot his name already. The main actor, uh, Robert Taylor, through this experience, is he taking the people who are supposed to be playing like background warriors? I like, I like in the, the idea, movie. I was gonna say I like the idea of him taking some of the extras with him, and that's where you can just kind of play with casting, yeah, whoever you want. Yes, to be yeah, an yeah, yeah. extra, different people, and everything. yeah, like a group <laughs> yeah. of a group of like six or seven extras. Yeah, that they're just like we're just here to make. I don't know, 1950s. They probably made what. Thirteen dollars a day, yeah, or something like that. Young British actors, <laughs> they get like a, a cold lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you also get to have fun with things like cameos, like in the midst of the uh, in the midst of the flashback, having like Daniel Radcliffe is the one who's dying on the hill. Yeah, 
Yeah, but then you cut back and he's... That's one of my favorite parts of that. Uh, Hail that's one of my favorite parts of that. Uh, they got a guy playing Jesus, like, hanging up on the cross. Yeah. And a production assistant goes out to him and goes, uh, are you uh, principal or featured? Yeah. Like, what? Are you principal or featured? I got to know. Principal gets hot lunch. Featured gets a cold lunchbox. <laughs> like, oh, uh, uh, principal. <laughs> <laughs> that <Jesus>. movie, <laughs> you you and I will defend that movie to death. Hail I don't Caesar's. know who I'm defending it from. I hope they're dead. <laughs> it's like that Hail Caesar was so damn good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you get like these random little cameos. Like you said, like Daniel Radcliffe is the soldier that they lift up and then you cut back and he's a box of, I don't know, tomatoes or something. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an apple box that they had to set off. Yeah, the yeah. Side, so. <laughs> Never draw your bow in panic. Pull it back and release it. <laughs> We're learning Deep things. Breath. Deep breath. <laughs> um, Close yeah. your eye. There you go. <laughs> I think I think we have a uh, short film here. Yeah. We're just bopping around with anachronism. Yeah. Just bring in a couple different. I, I love cameos. your imagery, Matt, of somebody like laying a uh, sound cable over a corpse <laughs> yeah. on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's just a big old XLR cable that's just kind of like draping on the ground. Right. Yeah, we're in like Sherwood Forest, and there's a, a B-52 like half destroyed <laughs> in a tree. Yeah. It's just, yeah, that's the that's best part. That's where some of the merry men are hiding. You out. can play with so many different like yeah. era era mishaps, you know? Prince, like Prince John's Castle has an anti-aircraft gun on yeah, one of the towers. But like that's the thing. It's like you have you have like you have the the castle from the Middle Ages mixed with a tank from World War II that is also the director's chair of a 1950s movie or something. You know, yeah. like it's, <laughs> the these... director straddling over the barrel of a tank and yeah, it's yeah, turning yeah. around. <laughs> it's these three the barrel's different got eras. got a boom mic on it. <laughs> these, these three different eras just blending at different moments. Good Lord, this podcast is flying by. <laughs> How many, uh, what are we at? We're at like 45 minutes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, wow. You sounded very Irish when you said that. We're at like 45 minutes. We're at like 45 minutes. <laughs> Um, I couldn't shake off an Irish accent on Monday because I played an Irish character on Sunday in D and D for ten hours. You played for ten hours, right? Yeah. I mean, we had breaks, but whew, my head hurts. Yeah, so did ours. Monday um, was rough. Yeah, it's a lot of napping on Monday. <laughs> well, uh, I think we have a film here, and uh, I'm glad that Matt brought this to our attention. Of uh, Lieutenant Jack Churchill. Mad Jack. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel, thank you. Sorry, yeah, what was his full name again? Uh, let me pull that up because there's no way I was remembering it. It's not like Kiefer, William, Frederick, John Hinger, Dinger, Dinger, Durgan, Flergen, <laughs> Churchill. Lieutenant Colonel John Malcolm Thorpe Fleming Churchill. That seriously sounds like Kiefer, William, Frederick, Dempsey, George, Rufus, Sutherland. It does. I don't ask me why I remember that. I of made the Donald a, I made a point to remember Kiefer Sutherland's full name. If you ever go up to him in public <laughs> and say that, you will get tased. I, I'll literally be like, oh my God, you're that guy from Lost Boys, Kiefer William Frederick Dempsey George Rufus Sutherland. He's going to look around and wonder if his dad set you up for this or something. <laughs> Did my dad give you 20 bucks to do that? No, you may you may also get the wonderful moment of having Keeper Sutherland grab you by the collar and yell, "Who are you working for?" At you, <laughs> get who are the you for? <laughs> Oh man! Well, uh, thank you everybody for listening for joining us today. Uh, Matt, we'll uh, we'll turn it over to you for a minute if you want to promote uh, Ginger Geek and anything you're going on with that or any other things you have in your life that you'd like to tag along. Uh, yes, you can check out the Ginger Geek podcast uh, wherever most podcasts can be found, such as Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, or Apple Podcast, or whatever they call it now. 
Um, not Google Play, because by December, that's going to not be a thing anymore. Oh, well, so, we're going to be off Google Play, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I am expecting to have an episode out uh, very soon, which will feature, in fact, uh, one Mr. Nicholas Wolf. That yes. is true. I will be joining you in a guest spot of an episode. Were you going to promote what that is about or no? Uh, yes, uh, we are going to be discussing uh, Stephen King, uh, his works of horror, and the connections that they have to more... Uh, human terrors rather than existential dreads. True, yeah. And As goblins. we all know, I am the aforementioned king scholar. Yes. Yeah, I'm. I'm like the, I'm like the Stephen Colbert of Stephen King. It's, There's a lot of layers to unpack with that. I'm There's a lot of that layers. Tombstone. A lot of layers. A lot of therapy. Um, so, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. We're glad you could be here today. Thank you for having me. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for having me. <laughs> um, as always, ladies and gentlemen, follow us everywhere you listen to podcasts. Review, like, subscribe. WDYG Podcast on Twitter, Gmail, wherever you want to link us. Articles, ideas you have, pitches you have. Please send them our way. Uh, share up with your friends and family. Absolutely check out uh, Ginger Geek Podcast. Uh, Matt is quite a talented craftsman in what he does. Uh, and we hope to see you next time. So I've been Rob. I've been Nick. I've been Matt. And that's what we got. What Do You Got is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Vice. You can find her on Twitter at at Gabby Vice.